Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. We're going to get into the word together. I'm not going to preach as long today. Someone just said, yeah, right. I heard you. I'm, I'm not, though. I know, I know what time it is, but I, I, I want to start a, an incredible series we're entitling, We Are That Church. Somebody say, We Are That Church. And I believe it's, it's going to be a, a very empowering but challenging series for us to continue to embrace that God wants to do something in, new in and through his church in this season together. Amen? But here's what I want us to do. I want us to pray together. I want the Lord today to open up the, the ears of, of, of our heart to hear what he is saying to give us wisdom and revelation to not just hear what's said, but to apply what's said in every part of our lives. So I wanna do this right now, I want want us to pray, and I want you to open up your hands like you're getting ready to catch something. How many thankful it's not COVID, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Because I believe that we're gonna receive from this word today in supernatural ways. Let's pray, Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the, 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 God, the worship, God, that was in this room today. God, pursuing you. God, your, your sons and daughters, Lord, pursuing you. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, that now that we've worshiped God in spirit, now we get to worship in truth, the truth of your word. And Lord, I pray that today as we get into this series, Lord, that I believe is ordained by you for this time. God, that you give us ears to hear what you are saying. And Lord, you allow the, the truth of your word, God, your word that is alive and active, God, today, may it take root and continue to bear fruit in and through our lives. And God, that we would apply this word, God, and we would continue to step in, Lord, to the greater that you have for us in this season as your church in the earth. Lord, we love you and we thank you and we give you praise. Come on, if you're ready, somebody say amen. Amen, come on, be seated all over the room. We're starting this series, we're doing this series this entire month of June, then we're doing another series in July. Listen, it's gonna be a hot summer, so we figured we have some heat in here and bring the word together, okay? So we're in a series today, I'm so excited. We are that church. Somebody say that one more time. Say, we are that church. We are that church. Now, let me ask this question. Let's have a little fun this morning. Have you guys ever heard the word reputation? The word reputation. Now, now maybe you've heard it, but let me give you the definition so we're clear. Hang with me for a minute. A reputation is the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. A reputation is the beliefs or opinions that are generally held about someone or something. How many of you guys know we all have a reputation? We all have a reputation. But listen, it's not just people, but we know countries have reputations. Governments, restaurants, businesses, teams, organizations. Listen, even churches have reputations. Churches have reputations. And have you ever noticed, this was what blows me away, that when someone is describing someone or something else, the word that is used quite often. Now what's interesting is that word that can be used in a positive connotation or a negative connotation. How many of you guys are with me? You, you've heard it happen. Maybe you, and you would have never said it, but other people that you know would have said it. That, that word that is used, they, come on, if someone has, or something has a not so great reputation, you're like, oh, you mean that place? 
Come on, no, don't, no, no, don't be super spiritual on me today. Get with me for a minute. Oh, 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 that, you know, you know it's negative. Their eyebrows get raised, their eyes get bent. Oh, that place. Oh, oh, oh you, oh, you mean that, that restaurant or, or that, that store or all those different things. And, and sometimes it's good. Sometimes we say, oh, you mean that restaurant or oh, I love that person or oh, man, I love that place. But the reality is, is that we have to understand how reputations, they're applied to so many things in our lives. But how many of you guys know sometimes people say, oh, you mean that, that church? Oh, you mean, you, you mean, or sometimes people say, oh, I love that church. You, you, mean, you mean that church. Have you guys ever heard somebody say that before? Again, you guys have never done it, just other people. <laughs> and we know everyone online, none of you guys have ever said it. But look to your neighbor and say, you've got a reputation. You've got a reputation. And typically people say that when they're doing those things. And so, so the reality is this, is we all want to have a good reputation. And listen, we always want to be the good that and not the bad that. We always want to be the good that and, and not, the, not the bad that. But can I go ahead and tell you something about this church right here? I believe that we are called to be the good that and the bad that in both directions. Can I explain how? We're supposed to be the good, that, and the bad, that. Let me go for a minute. I believe that we should want people, we should want our communities and our city to say, oh yeah, I know that church. I'm thankful for that church. I love that church. How many of you guys want people to say that about this house? To say, oh, I love that church. I'm so thankful for that church. But listen, just like we want those people to have a, a good, uh, have a good thought and reputation, how many of you guys know that we want every demon that runs around this earth whose leader is that liar and loser named Satan and the kingdom of darkness to say, oh yeah, I know that church. I hate that church. I hate that church. I, I, listen, I want the devil, when he knows that we're involved, to say, ooh, I hate that church. How many of you guys know that should be a good thing? We should, listen, if the enemy loves our church, that's a problem. He should hate the church. He should hate the church. Demons should hate the kingdom of darkness and say, oh, I know that church. I hate that church. Can I tell you, I believe in this critical time in history that God is looking for people and bodies of believers to say, we will be that church. We will be that church that our communities and our city loves us because we reflect Jesus everywhere we go. And just like people love this church, we want the enemy to hate this church. But why? Because we are that church. Look at your neighbor and say, we are that church. Now you say, well, pastor, you keep saying that church. First of all, you're going to leave today and you're going to love the word that, I promise. But I want to show you and describe just for a minute when I say, you say, well, what kind of church is that church? What kind of church is that church? Let me start right here. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. Here's what the text says. It says, Jesus has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Somebody say amen for Jesus. 
But let's go further. What kind of church is that church? The, we know this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the firstborn over all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And Jesus is before all things, and in him all things consist. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Listen, somebody say, we are that church where Jesus is the head of the church. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence, meaning this, he is first. How many of you guys know if we're going to be that church, Jesus has got to be first? He's got to be the head. I tell people all the time, some people think that, that the pastor or the leaders of churches, that, that they're the king of the church. Listen, this church has one king and his name is Jesus. And we're all thankful to be a part of the body. But listen to me, let, let me preach for just a minute because that text is real. We need to be that church. We are called to be the church that you just heard in Colossians 1 where Jesus is the head, everything flows in him and through him for his glory. But let me go further for a minute. I believe that we are called in this season to be that church. And let me go ahead and tell you, I don't think in this season the world needs a church or another church. I think the world needs that church. This world, come on, somebody say, this world needs that church. This world needs that church. So let's keep talking about that church. Can I tell you about that church? That church believes that Jesus is the only begotten son of the father, that he was born of a virgin. He lived 33 sinless years on the earth. He was crucified for the sins of the world. He was buried and rose three days later with the keys to death and hell. Let me keep talking about that church because that church believes that Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the good shepherd and he's the great high priest. He is the only way to heaven. Somebody say, we are that church. We are that church. But let me go further. That church believes not only in loving Jesus, but living for Jesus. That church shines like Jesus, but also serves like Jesus. That church believes that every person is called and been sent into the world to make disciples and make a difference. That church is full of the Holy Ghost and fire. That church is full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. That church is one that understands that we lay hands on the sick and they recover. That church cast out demons in Jesus' name. That church speaks in new tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. That church transforms cities and nations with the gospel of the kingdom. Somebody say, we are that church. We are that church. Come on, if you're thankful to be that kind of church, give the Lord praise in the house. Hallelujah. Listen, in this time in history, I'm convinced that this house must be that church. We must be that church. We must believe that we can be that church, but listen to me, we must become and continue to become that church. So see this, if you believe it, that you should become it. If we believe we should be doing those things, we should be doing those things. 
Let, let me say it this way. No church will ever accidentally become that church. Oh. You intentionally become that church. You intentionally become that church. And I believe in this season, in this time in humanity, the world does not need a church, it needs that church. It needs that church. Somebody say one more time, say, we are that church. We are that church. Now, I've got good news today. We don't have to guess on how to become that church. Because I, over this series, I wanna teach you that, that we don't have to guess how to become that church, but, but we already have a blueprint in God's word of how we become that church. We already have a blueprint that we can see in God's word. And we're, we're getting the books of, book of Acts a little bit in this series as well. Because how many of you guys know that we're just a continuation of the New Testament church we see in the book of Acts? But I, I wanna spend a lot of time in the book of Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, go ahead and you turn with me there right now. Ephesians chapter four, we're gonna read verses, start in verse two. And we're gonna, we're gonna find out through this series how we become that church. We become that church that transforms and wins cities and nations with the gospel of the kingdom. How we become that church. And here's what the apostle Paul said. Here's where he started. We're gonna go further into the text, but we'll read verses two through eight to start with. It says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, say, I'm not perfect. Go ahead and tell them. And listen, if you had a hard time admitting that, then you need to also read the first verse where it says, be humble, okay? But Paul's telling them, he's telling them how that church should act. He says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Now here's what's beautiful, for there is one body and one spirit, just, have you, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Somebody say amen. Let me go ahead and tell you as we have this series talking about we want to be that church. Listen, we want every church to be that church. Now, if you say we're a part of the same kingdom, that means we're one kingdom in many locations. We want every church to be that church. But notice what he says. He says there's all these things. There's one Father, one God, who is over all and in all and living through all. But then notice what the text says. However, he has given each one of us a special gift. Some translations say grace through the generosity of Christ. How many of you guys know that without grace, we can't do anything? It is only by the grace of God that we're able to be a part of the kingdom and do anything for the kingdom. But this is where I wanna go further. Now we're gonna jump to verse 11. Because it said there, however, he has given each one of us a special gift, somebody shout gift, through the generosity of Jesus. Now here's what the text says. It says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Who gave the gifts? Jesus. Now, I, now, I, now listen, we are a spirit-filled church. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but what we're about to talk about are not the gifts of the Holy Spirit. These are gifts that Jesus gave to the church. 
So we believe in the, uh, we believe in anything Jesus gave the church. Come on, somebody. Listen, why, why would we not accept something that Jesus gave for us to use? Jesus gave gifts to the church, and here's what the text says. It says, now these gifts are gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, which is the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, who is the head of his body, the church. Do you remember in, 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 uh, in Colossians 1, who is the head of the body? Jesus. Who's the head of the church? You see it again here. Who is the head of the church? Jesus. He is the head of the body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of Love. Somebody say amen to the word of God. What a powerful text. What a powerful blueprint on becoming that church. Because hear me one more time. No church becomes that church on accident. You don't back into it. You become that church intentionally. You become that church intentional. It's one of our core values here at AP. We believe in intentional living. We will not be known for living with good intentions, but living intentionally. We want to be intentional. People, look at your neighbor and say, be intentional. Be intentional. But look what the, look what the text says. It says that Jesus gave gifts to the church that we could become that church. And he gave five. Everybody say Five. Do you, does everybody know what the number five represents in the Bible? Represents grace. He gave five gifts that through the grace of God, we could be that church. He gave five gifts. Listen to me now. This is where it gets deep. And you're going to have to just, you're going to have to run with me. And you're going to have to get in the word and we're going to have to study together. But I want you to see this. Jesus gave five gifts that we need to acknowledge, accept, and allow the Holy Spirit to activate in this house. He gave five gifts. If Jesus gave them, I want them. Come on now. Pastor, I don't want that gift. Why, why would you not want a gift that Jesus gave you? He gave five gifts that we need to acknowledge, accept, and allow the Holy Spirit to activate in this house. Why? So we can be that church. So we can be that church. Now, what are those gifts? It's the five-fold ministry gifts. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, here's what's so cool about these. All five of these gifts given by Jesus, listen, they accomplish the same thing in different ways. They accomplish the same thing in different ways. 
They accomplish the same thing in different ways. Now, I, I'm not, I can't go into great detail today, but in the coming weeks, we're going to talk a lot about the fivefold and what that looks like in the church. But I want to give you just a small sample of what each of the fivefold do. And there should be a, a slide to help me go through this. And I want you guys to see this. Apostles. Apostles connect you to the mission of God. What's the mission of God? It's the Great Commission. Your assignment. How many of you guys know we've all been called to make disciples and make a difference? Okay, apostles connect you to the mission of God. Prophets connect you to the heart of God. Prophetic people, they hear God and they speak for God to the people. They connect you to the heart of God. Is anybody thankful for prophetic voices in our lives? We need them. Then evangelists. Evangelists connect you to the message of God. What's the message of God? It's the gospel of the kingdom. Evangelists connect you. Have you ever met an evangelist? They'll get everybody saved in 30 seconds and go on somewhere else. <laughs> they, they, they connect you to the message of God. Pastors, pastors connect you to the people of God. Pastors make sure you get into the church community. Pastors make sure that you're there connected. How many of you guys know we're better together? Pastors connect you to the people of God, and then teachers connect you to the truth of God. That's why they are teachers. They teach you. They don't teach you garbage. They teach you the truth. They're not a real teacher if their teaching doesn't align with the word of God. So teachers connect you to the truth of God. So see that. All of those gifts connect you to God and his kingdom. And here's what's powerful. They do the same thing but in different ways. The five-fold ministry does those things. And I need you to understand something. This is so powerful. What happens when you acknowledge, accept, and allow these gifts to function? Are you ready? When the church allows the five-fold to function, the church begins to flourish. When the church allows the five-fold ministry to function the way we see in Ephesians 4, the church begins to flourish. Somebody say flourish. Listen, you want to flourish. Everybody should want to flourish. Did God make us to squeak by or to, 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 get, to just do great things? Do great things. Well, the five-fold ministry, we need to understand, church, when the five-fold is allowed to function within the church, the church flourishes. Now, I, I want to show you quickly this morning before I'm done, these verses, verses 12 through 16, what the Bible says happens when the fivefold are active within the church. Listen to me. If we want to be that church, we need the fivefold ministry active in this church. Somebody say amen if you believe that. We need the fivefold ministry active in this church. Notice what the Bible says in verse 12. Let's go back. Throw the, throw the scriptures back on so they can see that, guys. In verse 12, where it talks about how all of God's people become equipped to do God's work and build up the church. Now, notice, it's not some people, but it's all people. Everybody with me on that? It's not some of us, but it's all of us. You see, this is important because somewhere along the way, the church in America decided that verse 12 should say that the responsibility of the threefold, because most churches in America are afraid to talk about apostles and prophets. But the truth is, is there apostles then, there's apostles now. There were prophets then and there are prophets now. But so much of the church now only wants to talk about pastor and evangelist and teacher because that's tradition. Listen to me, it's not good tradition if it negates what the word of God says. That, that means that's the kind of tradition that we, th we should throw out the back door. 
We don't need that kind of tradition. We need the kingdom. Come on, somebody. Listen, that church is not committed to tradition. That church is committed to advancing the kingdom no matter what. But we see for many people, they think verse 12 should say that the responsibility of the threefold of pastors and evangelists and teachers is not to equip God's people but entertain God's people and fill up buildings and build bank accounts. That's what a lot of the American church has convinced themselves. Oh, we're doing good things because there's a lot of people in the house and there's a lot of money in the bank. But the reality of what the word of God says is that the responsibility of the fivefold is to equip God's people to do ministry and build up the church. To do ministry, to do the work of God and build up the church. So what does that mean? That means that that church, the church we're called to be, we're not here to entertain anybody, but we're here to equip everybody. We're not here to entertain you. We are here to equip you, equip the saints so that way we cannot build up your brand or build up your bank account, but we can build up the church and advance the kingdom in our communities, in our city, in our nation, and around the world. That's the reality of being that church. Somebody say, we are that church. See, we gotta understand something. All of God's people are supposed to be equipped. All of God's people are supposed to minister. All of God's people are supposed to build up God's church. And we said, no, pastor, that's what you do. (laughs) You laugh, but so many people think that's the truth. We think that you're supposed to come and be ministered to by me and other people that have a title. Heaven's not really interested in titles. Heaven's interested in the function of the church. And so we have to understand something. It's not just for people that have apostle or prophet or pastor or evangelist or teacher in front of their name or, or they have that gift or that they serve in that office. It is for you. If you are a saint in the kingdom, you're supposed to be doing ministry. You're supposed to be building up the church. You're supposed to be going with the same anointing that sits on me and sits on our elders and sits on everybody else to make disciples and make a difference. If you believe that, somebody give the Lord praise in the house. Listen, each of us are called and anointed and equipped to do the vision of this house to make disciples and make a difference. Each of us. Now, here's what's beautiful, because the Bible says we're a body and we come together. We're all going to do it in different ways. Come on now. You may not have a pulpit on a stage that when people gather, but listen, you go to work like everybody else. You go to the gym like everybody else. You go to Kroger, well, unless you go to Meyer, you go somewhere like everybody else. Listen, your world is your mission field. You have been equipped and anointed to make disciples just like everybody else. And that is the work of the Lord in the church is that we together, somebody say together. We together do ministry and build up the church. We together do ministry and we build up 
the church, each of us, we're all, we're not gonna do it the same way, but we accomplish the same thing together. So let me tell you something, that means that that church we are that church, that church understands and walks in the revelation that we are all contributors and not just consumers. Come on, somebody. We are all contributors. Look to your neighbor and say, I'm a contributor. We're all contributors. We don't come and just receive ministry, we come together and celebrate what the Lord is doing and then we're all equipped to go do ministry together. We're all contributors in Jesus' name in the same kingdom. That's just verse 12, that's enough, but let's go further. Verse 13 says, we come into unity in our faith and knowledge of Jesus, unity. How many of you guys know that God desires a unified church? Why, because the Bible tells us that a house against itself can't stand. When you allow the fivefold to function in your church, unity starts to show up on a consistent basis. And let me go ahead and tell you something. A lot of people think that Satan is afraid of big churches. Honey, he ain't afraid of big churches, but he is terrified of unified churches. He is scared of unified churches because that means they move and act as one. Do you remember Acts chapter two and everybody got filled with the Holy Spirit? They were all there in what? One accord. They were unified. And so understanding this, that church is unified. We are a unified, we're unified in our faith, which means we believe correctly. We're unified in our knowledge, which means that we have the head and heart knowledge of Jesus the right way. We're unified in, 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 in our faith and our knowledge. And then what happens in verse 13 and 14, we find that we become mature. Hallelujah for maturity. We become mature. All of a sudden, when, when, when saints start being equipped to do the work of the ministry and there's unity found in faith and in knowledge, the Bible says in verses 13 and 14 that the church becomes mature. Let me go ahead and tell you, God loves childlike faith, not childish faith. Can I get a witness from somebody? He loves childlike faith, not childish faith faith. Now listen, we all start as baby believers. But I said a second ago, and I'm going to keep saying that, I said a second ago, you're not perfect. Listen, God does not demand perfection from you, but he does expect progress. And that progress is called maturity. He wants you to grow. Everybody say grow. He wants you to grow in your faith. And when understanding, when we begin to not only allow the, the five-fold to function, but the church begins to flourish, we begin to become mature in our faith. We begin to make progress. And so we're supposed to mature in our understanding and application of kingdom principles and standards in and through our lives. But I go further, verse 14 says, is that when you become mature, notice what the word says. It says we are no longer deceived and moved by lies and false teaching. Can we just get plain for a minute? There is a lot of things that are spewed from pulpits all around this world that isn't the truth. Now I told you I want every church to be that church. But the truth is, that church is always gonna be committed to the standards and the principles of God, and there's not a comma, there's a period. So understand something. 
When we begin to say yes to the gifts that Jesus gave the church, all of a sudden, we're not taken here and we're not taken there by some new teaching or new doctrine. We are solidified in who Jesus is, what the kingdom is, and how we operate in and through our lives. So we're not immature, but we, we literally are no longer deceived and tricked. Do you guys remember, was it two weeks ago I talked about how there's such a spirit of deception operating not just in the world, but in the church right now? There's so many things and, and opinions being said and shared, but listen to me. We must not be moved by things that are not of the Lord. We must be committed to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the truth of the word. And listen, so what does that mean? If we are mature and not immature, we are no longer emotionally led. We are spirit led. We are not led by our emotions. Why? Because sometimes your emotions let you down. Sometimes your emotions are not right. Just because you feel a certain way doesn't mean that you're actually correct. So you can't be led by your emotions. That's why Paul said be led by the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth. So we can understand these gifts that Jesus gave the church are so we don't have to be emotionally led, but we can be spirit-led. Somebody say amen. And then I go a little further, verse 15 says, when, when these, these, these gifts of Jesus, the fivefold begin to operate and we allow them to be activated in our church and in our lives, it says that then the church will begin to speak the truth in love. If there was ever a season that the church needed to be speaking truth in love, it's right now. Now notice, I didn't say speak the truth in condemnation and speak the truth in anger, and speak the truth by just being the loudest voice in the room. I said, no, 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 speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. And notice what the Bible says, notice what the text says. It says growing in Jesus and like Jesus. And so what does that mean? That means if we're gonna be that church, we're gonna always speak the truth in love with our words and our actions. Come on, somebody. We're going to speak the truth in love with our words and our actions. Then I go to verse 16. Verse 16 tells me, and as each of us fulfills our purpose and assignment, it helps others grow and we become healthy. Somebody say healthy. Can I, I'm going to let you know a secret. Just because the church is big does not mean they're healthy. You know what I've learned? I've learned that infection causes swelling too. You want me to go back up here? Okay. <laughs> Listen, I'm all for churches growing. Churches should grow. We should be a growing family of believers. Come on. We should be a growing family of believers. But we have to understand something. Size is not our goal. Strength is our goal. Health is our goal. And so we have to recognize when we begin to say yes to receiving and activating the gifts that Jesus gave us to be that church, all of a sudden the Bible says this, it says that others grow, we become healthy and growing and we are full of love. Amen. We are full of love. 
not our opinion, not our preference, not other things. We are full of love. What does 1 John say? For our God is a God of what God is? Love. Let me ask a question now that we've gone through that text. Who doesn't want to be a part of a church like that? I want to be a part of that church. We're called to be that church. And listen to me. We, can, we need to continue to become that church. We need to continue, not just to believe that we're that church, but we need to continue to become that church. Look to your neighbor and say, we are that church. Come on, tell them. We are that church. We are that church. Now you say, you say, okay, pastor, let's be that church. How does it start? Are you ready? It starts by us being available. It starts by us being available. See, a lot of times we hear stuff like this and we say, that sounds wonderful. I read those things. I hear those things. But God, I don't know if I'm able. Let's back up for a minute. Let's back up for a minute. Becoming that church is not about ability. It's about availability. Becoming that church is not about ability. It is about availability. Do you know where we, you, you know the word able is where we get the word ability? Some people say, well, I'm not able. God does not need your ability. Do you want to know why God doesn't need your ability? Because he has all ability. Right? Isn't that freeing for someone? Please, receive, I'm for real, receive that. Some people, some people always feel less than, and God says, I never needed your ability. He said, I just needed your availability. Because the truth is, is when you become available, God will then turn and make you able. If you'll be available, God will make you able. And listen to me, that church is not a church of ability. That church is a church of availability. That we say, you know what, Lord? Show us. Teach us. Lead us. Into everything you've designed us to do on the earth. I don't know about you, but I am more committed than ever to being that church, to being that church. See, here's what I found. In fact, go ahead and stand with me all over the room. Come on. I've found that if you believe that we can be that church, and we make ourselves available, we can pray the same thing that the psalmist prayed in Psalm 25. Throw that scripture on the screen. Psalm 25. Where he prayed this prayer. He said, show me your ways, O Lord. Listen, do you know in Ephesians 4, he's showing us the way? He's showing us the way to be that church. The psalmist said, Lord, show me your ways. 
And then what did he say? Teach me your paths. And then he said, lead me. Show me, teach me, lead me. This whole series starts right here with our response to the word we heard this morning, that we say, Lord, we don't know better than you. We're available. We're available. Because here's what's gonna happen. When you're available and you begin to pray things like, Lord, show me your way. Teach me your path and lead me. Listen to me. He's not gonna lead you astray. He's not gonna teach you the wrong thing and he's not gonna show you something that's not of him. He's gonna show you, he's gonna teach you, and he's gonna lead you. Why? Are you ready? Because Jesus is the head of the church. And if there's one person that wants his church to be mature and equipped and unified and strong and full of love more than you, it's the head of the church. It's Jesus.